esteemed listener, and welcome to the Video Game Hall of Fame. I am your host, Alex, and I have with me three lovely Hall of Fame gentlemen. They are named Stephen, Simon, and Rob. Good evening to you, gents. How are you? Good, thank you, mate. How's your week been? My week. Uh, my week. I, I um. I had some acupuncture today. Unexpected acupuncture as well. Well, you got stabbed. Kinda. So I was getting some physio. This is my first session of physio for uh, with a woman who kind of like comes to your house and brings the like you know massaging whatever thing it is. Um, and uh, she said having I I thought my Achilles was fucked, but apparently it's like my whole leg. So she said, uh, one thing I can use to treat this is uh, acupuncture, which I can do right now if you'd like. I was like, um, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. And she said, oh, you know, have you had actu- acupuncture before? And I just looked at my legs covered in tattoos and was like, of a certain kind. And she was like, oh, yeah, I was about to ask if you're all right with needles. I assume you are. So off we went. And it was not pleasant at all. Really, really weird. Did it help? Just like there's a weight inside your skin like it's like you're heavy under your own skin it's really odd and then she started like doing a sports massage on my spine at the same time as i had loads of stuff sticking out of my leg which was also painful so at the moment i'm just very very sore so i don't even know if it's worked but we'll find out maybe it's one of those things where she just like puts you for a minor torture just so it feels better when she stops she succeeded. Like that euphoria you get after you've been banging your head against a brick wall for half an hour and you just thought, you know what, I can just stop doing this. Do you remember that Asian yeah. film from years ago called Audition? I do. Yeah, I it do sounds, like the, sounds like, yeah, next time she visits, you know, be careful what equipment she brings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good shout. So that's how I am. You, how you are don't you, want a leg off. Uh, I'm much, much better than I was last week. Uh, last week I, I had done my back in and I was in a lot of, Oh, did you get any acupuncture on it? No, I just laid on the floor a lot and did little leg stretches, and I, I I'm out of it now. I'm, I'm all right. Good man. We know somebody who's not all right because he moaned a lot about it before the podcast started. That's Mr. Rob Kirkup. How are you feeling, pal? I'm all right. I'm I'm all right. I'm I'm uh, I'm better than I was a few days ago. I've just got a cold. It's uh, I can't even say like I did a COVID test. Convinced it was because on Saturday it felt like I'd followed like swallowed like a a fat hedgehog or something like every time I swallowed it was agony but <laughs> astonishingly the COVID test came up um negative but if anyone's got any old COVID test lying around the house like the, the useless because you know you had to stick that like stick in your down your throat and up your nose and that and then put it in that little tiny pot of liquid mm. all those little pots of liquid it's just evaporated it's not there anymore so you've got to go and buy them yeah and you're not supposed to you don't need to put it in your throat anymore either no, I read the instructions. Straight stick schnoz. It yeah, yeah, stick it up your beak. But uh, no, I've just had a cold, so it's fine. It's just that time of year, isn't it? It's getting that way, isn't it? Yeah. But it was not, not gonna, nothing was going to stop us from uh, from doing this tonight and putting my nomination forward. What, not even Theme Park winning the previous poll? Um, I mean, I think, I don't want to constantly like, call myself a modern-day Nostradamus, but two episodes ago I told Simon that, his pick of Mario Kart would win. Last you time did. I told Steve that his pick of Theme Park will win. That I think, um, like I think, for a long time we've talked about lis- not being able to predict what the listeners are going to do. But I think, um, I think it's, I think it was a given that Theme Park was going to win last time. If I'm honest, had the most mass appeal, didn't it? 
I think so. I think, I think you were hoisted by the fact you couldn't pick an entire series of game. To be well, fair. even if I could, I mean, I think some uh, football managers. One of those things where it's a little bit marmite. Like you either really into it or you 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 just it has zero appeal to you whatsoever. Yeah, um, and I, I, I do think that as you say, theme park has got a much wide, much broader appeal, and I think it's a game that a lot of people will have played. And there's nothing. I mean, even if you only play it for 10 minutes, you're still going to love it. Mm. So I think it was worthy winner. I'm fine with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. Steve must be very fine with it. He's won so many now. I know, it's getting a bit embarrassing, isn't it, boys? Uh, to be honest, I was surprised by um, uh, how well it did. I thought it wouldn't exist quite so much in the zeitgeist as, as I thought I thought Football Manager probably would have been nailed on. Um. Though I may have said something different in the last pod. Can't remember what you guys were even nominated now. <laughs> so much has happened since then. Because uh, as Alex well knows, he spent a good evening on the uh, computer with me trying to get my emulators working, which God bless him. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm a great guy. I, I, could, I could feel his pain as the hours whittled away. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I was stood in front of the screen because the screen share on Discord's not great. So I couldn't really see it. So I was stood like inches away from my TV screen, almost like pointing on it to try and direct <laughs> you to what you were doing that you obviously couldn't see. <laughs> but I felt f- like I was in Minority Report. It was a really slow one that never really gets anywhere. Really like, lag- that is Minority laggy Report. Laggy piece of shit. That only tells you yeah. crimes after they've happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, didn't somebody say, and I'm trying to find who it was, Sarah... I think it's Perbrick. I apologise if that's wrong. Uh, spoke to us on Twitter who said um, they picked Championship Manager, but we forgot The Sims. We didn't even give it an honourable mention. Did anybody yet play The Sims? Should that have been a nomination from someone? Or I think I think it was a bit of a bit of a snub actually. Um, yeah, my wife really enjoys The Sims, and I played Sims Three a lot, mm-hmm. and um, I did really get into it. It's a legitimately good game. It's not like a girl's game or a kid's game. It's a it's an everyone's game. Is it a management sim? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I would it? say life management sim, isn't it? Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a sim. Um, I played the very first Sims when it came out, however long ago that was, and I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it just completely right? slipped my mind. To be honest, it was one that I meant to put down as an honourable mention, but I hadn't given mm. it enough time to nominate it myself. I did think it needed to be talked about. I do like hearing some of the stories of the awful crap that people get up to on there, like, you know, putting babies in the basement and boarding it over and shit like that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which I don't condone in real life, but, you know, um, in a game, uh, I'm all for that kind of crap. It's the same thing I used to get with Theme Park, you know, deliberately placing the toilets a million miles away from the... uh, uh, from the water fountains and what have you, that kind of crap. But yeah. you can just take yeah. it to the next level. But I haven't given it enough time personally that I couldn't, couldn't sit there and talk about it. Same. I've never played it in my life. This week, we are nominating games that we did a 180 on, which is effectively games that we initially, either through playing, I assume, or maybe an opinion, like a general opinion or a feeling, did not enjoy or like and subsequently completely changed our mind and ended up loving. Uh, we put this out on Twitter as well uh, a couple of days ago. 
we've had a few replies about that, so I'll get through those before we do our own nominations. We had KDB saying, Dark Souls for me. Sometimes I wish I stayed hating it. Life was simpler. I think I might have had a hand in him playing that, actually. Uh, we've got Eric Gold, who said, Morrowind, it took me a couple of tries to get used to the mechanics. Why am I swinging at a worm that is at point-blank range and missing? Once I gave it a proper shot, though, I came to absolutely love it. So much more variety with everything compared to the subsequent games. And we had one from Tom Farm who said, Mass Effect. I couldn't get on with it at all and binned it off. Went back and fell in love with it and the series. So we've got, well, some strong nominations from from, uh, Twitter listeners there already. And as the winner of the last episode, I assume that means that Steve has to go first. So off you go. Well, but... For the last two weeks, I have been cursing the shit out of you. Because when you when this category came up, I thought it'd be the easiest thing in the world. I thought you've got not not the I thought I'd have I thought I'd have problems narrowing it down rather than just coming up with my my shortest. But um, you know, being able to pick anything from any uh, any generation, I thought I'd have loads and loads and loads of options. There was only one game that immediately sprung to mind, though, which I can't nominate because I have already nominated it in recent weeks for another category. And um, Alex gets very salty for a very long time if I if I do that. It upsets his whole week, and uh, you know, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I do get salty. I don't want to yeah. unbalance your chakras, bud. So um, thanks, man. I, I Keep won't. them where they are. But that game was uh, Megalomania. Um, that was a game that oh, initially. Was it? Yeah, I picked it up, and I just thought, "What the hell is this?" Um, and I just, yeah, I couldn't get to grips with it. Couldn't get to grips with what I was saying the other week about the charm of using a uh, uh, control pad instead of a mouse. Um, that certainly wasn't evident the first time I've ever tried anything like that. And it was just, just like, I didn't get it. Didn't get what would be fun about it. I got through a few levels. I worked out the mechanics, but still it was just like, no, no interest. I think I was really just drawn to it by that amazing cover art. It was what made me pick yeah. it up in the first place. Uh, and then I... Then I put it down. It must have been about a year later. I didn't actually buy it. I think I, I rented it or borrowed it from a friend. And then it just randomly popped into my head. I was like, I should give that another go. And I did. And I absolutely loved it. It became one of my favorite games on the console. But that was the only one that really, really stuck in my head. I mean, it's Did up- you not hate Minecraft as well before you... Well, I did. But that's one thing that I kind of... I still kind of low-key hate it anyway. I mean, I'm amazed by it. Yeah. I love what they yeah. can do with it. But I can't say I've 180 on it because it, I spent too many years listening to shit YouTubers, you know, talking over it. I just... It brings <laughs> yeah, a pathological fair. aversion to it, you know? But don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. I've had fun playing it. And I do think it's a wonderful game. But A, it's already in there. So I nominated yeah, it. Yeah, got it in. Can't nominate that. But... um. But even it's still, for, for me, if it's a game, I, games do a quick, complete 180 on me, something that you've hated to something you've loved, doesn't it, essentially? I mean, we could, we never specified, we could do it the other way around, but I don't want to put a shit game into the Hall of Fame. It would be very Steve if you did that as well. I get, yeah, the thing is, I could do that with loads of games as well. There's so many games that I used to play and used to love, and I wouldn't go near now. So, mm-hmm. but it, it became really difficult. I mean, there's lots of games which, I didn't realise how great they were when I first played them. So something like Dynamite Heady. Dynamite Heady I knew was a great game because Sega Magazine gave it 96%. They were always pretty spot on with their reviews. But I got it the same year as I got Earthworm Jim. And that was just much more flashy. And it was just like, pick up a play, it just blew me away. And I didn't give it the time it deserved. But I still knew it was a good game. It wasn't like I 180'd on it. I went from thinking this is good, but nowhere near as good as I thought it would be to going, no, actually, this is amazing. 
And that seemed a bit too much to cheat. There's other things. I mean, we've joked about it privately. Like, we're gonna, I'm gonna find a way to say that I didn't like Toe Jam and Earl in the first place. <laughs> yeah. But you know, there was half a consideration there because when I first played it and I put it in, wasn't I was like, what the hell is this? But pretty quickly, you know, it's how, how long yeah. do I have to hate something before I go say a 180? It doesn't count if it's like your first playthrough, does it? You know? <laughs> yeah. So. I really, really went round the houses with this, and I gave it a lot of deep thought and a lot of looking into the um, uh, like the history of the games that I played, the games that I've you know used to own and what have you. And I went so far down the rabbit hole that I could only really think of, okay, this is my, this is going to be an honourable mention because I don't I don't want to put it in. But Halo Two was a game that I detested when it first came out. I love the mechanics of Halo, but I detested it because mm-hmm. it was not the game it should have been. It seems like lots of good things about the first one were taken away. Um, and I didn't like some of the new mechanics. I didn't like the fact that it was a lot, much more... Um, it didn't see anywhere near as free as the, uh, as the first game. You know, It seemed like you were being ch- yeah. channeled through things. And... But then again, I don't think you could really 180 on that stance, though, because it still is that. It still is that. I enjoy playing a lot more now than I did then. But still, apparently the um, the Master Chief Collection version is like the art pass that they did over the top of it is apparently like really, really good. Brief sort of new life into the, at least from a visual standpoint. Hundred percent, yeah. And the new cutscenes are amazing. They're absolutely, oh, cool, absolutely incredible. And yeah, it gave me it gave me a sort of a new new appreciation for it. You're right, it does. It did much better than that awful um, CE anniversary, which was just mm. half of it was great and half of it was just so bad tonally that it, it you, you end up switching back to the old graphics more often, not particularly <laughs> on the um, three four three guilty spark the reveal of the flood that just ruined the atmosphere for that entirely. Um, but again, you know, that's not me. I, much of the same criticisms I had then still exist now. So I've really yeah. focused on the one game that I think that I now and for a long time have, have thought is an absolute masterpiece. And it deserves its place in gaming history. I didn't hate it when it first came out. I, I honestly don't say, don't think, maybe, okay, let's go into the psyche of me personally. Maybe I'm just too set in my ways and I don't give shit and a second go often enough. That's possible. Mm. Or maybe my instincts are, are, are right more often than they're not. Rob's typing into the chat, fucking Shenmue 2, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's Shenmue 3. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Oh, God. No, I, I, I did consider that too. But I did the opposite 180 on Shenmue 3. Did you? Yeah, was so excited, kickstarted it and hate it. Anyway, carry on, carry on. Rob's ruined everything. He's broken the flow. It is going uh, it is, it is to seem like, oh my God, though, because my case was a game... Came out, I think, we might correct me if I'm wrong, so it's going to be 92, maybe 91 even. Uh, it's an arcade um, uh, fighting game, and I'm just going to fucking tell you what it is, because none of this guessing shit. Street Fighter 2. I was not a big fan oh, at okay. all when it came out, to be honest. I did knew it was a good game, more or less. You know, it just seemed like every other fighting game. I didn't see... There was a lot of, lot of variety in those games at the time. Um, I particularly like playing the SNK ones, um, King of Fighters and, and stuff like that. Um, there were a lot of good ones out at the time, and it didn't seem to stand apart. And I kind of ended up giving it less time than I should just because it was one of those things that everyone seemed to be banging on about it. And everyone was it was always packed in the arcades. It was always people there. It was the slightly older kids who were showing off their moves and what have you. And, 
it just became like, oh, you know, why is this the only thing that people are concentrating? And before you knew it, Mortal Kombat arrived. And Mortal Kombat I loved, so I immediately went into that. Wasn't yeah. until years, years later, probably probably getting to the end of the 90s or even early 2000s when I kind of appreciated just how groundbreaking it was, the things that it introduced, the um, uh, the ability to sort of the juggle combos and, and things like that, and the just the intricacy of the gameplay, which was so far away from the competition there at the time. Maybe I just I didn't take time to appreciate it, or as a kid just... So anytime Street Fighter 2, I always thought it used to roll my eyes a little bit, like, oh, that one again. It's like, yeah, it's fine, but there's loads of other great shit. Why are we focusing on this one, this one alone? Um, but, yeah, ultimately I've had to, you know, uh, over the years, through playing it again um, and and playing the other games that were around at the same time, you realise what a step up it was and, and why it was really responsible for a, a minor renaissance of the arcades just as they... they started to be dwindling again it seemed that street fighter 2 brought them back in um mortal kombat kept them there and then before you knew it, it was the 3d revolution which kept us there for a bit longer until home consoles you know overtook you know with the the dreamcast sps2 era etc um so i'm a, i am aware that this is like i i didn't want to pick a game like this i wanted to pick a game that was much more niche and much more personal to me but I looked through so much of my gaming history to to think, um, like which one can it be? And I have, I have to say that by and large, I tend to stick with first impressions a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and also now, if someone says to me, "Oh, this is a great game," you have to get through. You know, okay, the first twenty hours a bit mer, but after that, there, are, like, there is a lot of that these days, isn't it? It's there? like, what are you about, mate? That's a day, it's a day yeah. of my life. <laughs> like, I'm just, <laughs> just make it fun from the beginning. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm an old shit, like, like spending that. all day with a complete arsehole. Yeah. yeah, but tomorrow he's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. After he, after he finishes, after the drink wears off, you let yeah, him snooze. Yeah, after a few swirlies, you'll forgive him and everything will be fine. After he's taken a big fat dump in your bath. You, you yeah. Can, yeah, but in the morning he'll clear it up and he'll help you yeah. tidy up, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'd rather just not invite him around in the first place, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I did struggle. I really wanted to uh, uh, to put in something that was a bit left field, but... No, it seems to be that, by and large, for me, first impressions kind of stick. And I suppose the other is also true that I'm a bit of a curmudgeon who tends to, I don't like it, don't go back to it very often. So I think it just says more about me personally. Um, But it does feel I'm kind of with you in that, like, when something becomes the current zeitgeist and it's like the thing of the hour, there can be something exhausting about that when it's just kind of everywhere. Yeah. Uh, which is, I guess is magnified now with social media and everything like that. Like uh, I think I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, how I was excited for Starfield, but since it's actually come out, I haven't even touched it. Cause I'm just kind of not yeah. as much as I thought. So I can kind of see what you mean. I have probably felt that way myself as well before with games that have come out and just thought, ah, yeah, whatever. Just- and then you play it and you go, yeah, okay. To be fair, the hype is right, but it's almost begrudging, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's like you get swept along with it. And then you have mm. to you have to then get it's anything that's hyped anyway, isn't it? You know, be a film. You, you yeah. have to to take it on its own merits. You have to go in on a, a complete neutral level where you're yep. prepared to accept it. And yeah, and there's something really tiresome about being told that you have to do something. You have to yep. watch this film. You have to play it again. Well, do I? <laughs> it's like you don't tell yeah. me what to do, Mister. But also, there was <laughs> I think as a kid growing up, it was also like I was always a bit like that. I did didn't get into football just because all the boys were and it just seemed a bit like you know 
there wasn't necessarily lots interested in being different, but never quite did well with with crowds. You know, just felt like you were. It felt, it felt like everyone else was following everyone else, and that in itself annoyed me. It's mm-hmm. like you only like that thing because so and so likes it. You know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it took me years to to uh, enjoy Street Fighter Two on its own merit. I, and I suppose part of the problem is I always pick Chun Li, and I always just um, uh, do the thousand <laughs> leg kick or whatever it's called, and bin someone into a corner, and I could win really easy at it. <laughs> that is such a contrarian's way to play the game as well. Yeah. Right, fine then, I'll play the one I have to press one button for. Yeah, and nothing else. Nothing yeah. else, and I'll beat you all, and then you'll get annoyed, and I'll sit down and not play it again for a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't have many friends growing up. I guess, I guess as well, like you were historically in the Sega camp, and once it came to the homes, well, first of all, I don't even know if it came out at the same time for no, all the it, consoles, but it was the Super SNES Nintendo version first. was the version. Yeah, yeah, it was Super Nintendo yeah. first, came out quite a way in advance, so there was probably an element of that yeah. to it as well. I mean, my apathy yeah. for it started in the arcades, but yeah, that would have been that absolutely would have been part of it, um, mm-hmm. and then. Mega Drive got the Championship Edition, but I think that was like a year later. And then as soon mm. as that came out, on the back of that, the Turbo Edition was brought out on the on the SNES. But, yeah. Um, of course, for the, the the Mega Drive, you needed a six button pad to play it properly, anyway. Yeah, uh, you did, which doesn't help. Um, but yeah, I think that might have might have played into it to to a degree. But it was it was for whatever reason. Um, I think it was just like so I would have a quick go on it every now and again. And it just sort of slowly seeped in. Like, oh, this like, this game has lasted for so long, whereas all the other games that I loved back then and thought were equal to it have disappeared. Yeah. You know? There was no... There wasn't King of Fighters dominating the arcades into the early 2000s. Mm. Yeah. What a phenomenal game. It's a very strong first contender, I think. Anybody else has got some thoughts on Street Fighter 2? Did anybody else hate it at first? I never hated it. I think I don't think I ever hated it at first, but I found it difficult to get to grips with because I think it's the same with a lot of those fighting games. Like if you're fighting against, like if you're in the arcades and you're fighting against somebody who knows how to do the moves, and you're just smashing the buttons because you haven't got a clue what you're doing, you're just going to get beat every time. But I mean, I I, I absolutely love Street Fighter Two, so it's I'm really pleased to see this up for nomination this week. Um, and I mean, I've. I wrote about I wrote the Street Fighter Two review in the Sega Mania magazine because I've got such a fondness for it. It's a remember, beautiful review as well. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing it in the um, in the arcades and seeing like because I used to go to the arcades all the time around the time it came out in about ninety two because me and maybe brother and a, a couple of mates would go to Laser Quest in Whitley Bay in a building called the Spanish City. And uh, that was just like a big arcade place with a laser quest in the corner, and that there'd always be a big Beautiful. queue around the the Street Fighter Two cabinet. And then when it came out for the Mega Drive in '93, it was sixty pounds, which is the equivalent of something like one hundred and twenty pounds today, something like that. And you're right, like for Christmas that year, me brother and I got Street Fighter Two, Mortal Kombat, which was fifty quid, and two six button control pads, and our our Bit, like the the bedroom in the house where the, the the Mega Drive lived, kind of became the arcade in in the estate where I lived, where there'd just be people coming around all the time for a game. You know, it was it was constant. And uh, I, like when I, the Simpsons got a swimming pool, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. like that. Um, but it was it was uh, it's it's a it's a brilliant game. And if if somebody was to put a gun to my head and say pick your favorite um, like fighter, Street Fighter Two 
would probably be the one I'd go for. Me too, I think. Uh, the only one that I would maybe be arguing against in my head's uh, Mortal Kombat 2. Mm. But Street Fighter 2, absolutely love it. Yeah. Rob, was it you who, on Christmas Day, opened up Street Fighter 2 to have an empty case? Oh, yeah, I can't believe I didn't mention that. That's right. Christmas 93, I didn't get Street Fighter 2 because the box was empty. Um, and that was a really... It's kind of a 180, right? You had nothing and then you had something. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I, I can't believe... I think maybe I've just blocked it out. But, um, yeah, me me mum had bought it from Virgin Megastore on Northumberland Street for us. And back then, they put the cartridge in the box. It wasn't sealed. And when I opened it on Christmas Day, there was no cartridge. But the shops didn't open on Boxing Day back then. So we had, like, these two days of waiting around until the 27th when we could ring the shop and say, look, you didn't give us the cartridge and then just have to hope that they would, they would give us it. Because my mom had already said that if, if, um, if they wouldn't, then she'd get us it again. And then it would have essentially ended up costing 120 quid. But thankfully the bloke in Virgin Megastore said, oh, be, you'll need to be more careful. Just check us in the box the last time. And then when we left the shop, my mom said that was the, that was the fellow who gave us it in the first place. I didn't give us it. Is it a, uh, as it happened to be, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't get it for Christmas that year. He knows what he's the, like. I got it on the twenty seventh of December. That's awesome. Can you please uh, safeguard against any of my future fuck ups when you come in, please? <laughs> yeah. You look like the Simon. Hey, what's that? Talk about Street Fighter Two. Oh, uh, yeah, Street Fighter Two. I don't know. I <laughs> I remember the 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 rich kid um, had it on the Mega Drive back in my home village. And I remember going around there and playing on it and being really impressed by it. But I never, I never actually bought it. Um, I used to kind of, it was a game I play around other people's houses. Um, the first street I owned and got into was the Sega Saturn Street Fighter Alpha 2. And I, I still have that. Nice. Um, and that's quite good. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I respect it. And I don't, like, I, I don't want to say it's overrated or anything. It's, you know, it's an incredible you know, it's a it's a gaming linchpin, but I'm personally not bothered about the Street Fighter series in general. Like, if I had to choose a fighting game series, it would have to be Soul Calibur. I know that's 3D, so it's a different ballpark, but it is a good one though. That's the one that grabbed me. Yeah, Soul Calibur's better than Tekken. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't go on with Tekken at all. I, like, me I either. put Soul Calibur Dead or Alive. Um, Possibly even Virtual Fighter ahead of Tekken. I had a um, I had a brief love affair with Tekken Three when it came out because I became obsessed with unlocking all of the characters. And I'm not even Tekken convinced... Three is probably the best one, right? Yeah, I'm not even convinced I enjoyed playing the game. It just <laughs> it just became a little um, a job for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Over <laughs> a summer. Well, there we go. Street Fighter Two is our first nomination for this category. Uh, because he said he hasn't had any sleep since Saturday because he's been hopped up on, what do you say, Benadryl or something? Then uh, we better get Benelin. Benelin. We better we better get Rob in there before he in case he falls asleep. What's your nomination, Squire? Um, so I'll, I'll tease this a little bit. Um, so I bought this game. I didn't have to think about this. Like Steve says, he's been thinking about it for two weeks. I could only think of one game. And when I when that game came into my head, I thought, well, that's the game I'm going to talk about. I have got a couple of things. I Well, there are a couple of things I will say before I talk about my game. And 
when I think about this, I do think that there are games out there where if people only play them a little bit, they they won't get it. So when I I talk to quite a few people who don't like The Last of Us, and I think to enjoy The Last of Us, you've got to play beyond the first couple of hours because it's the first couple of hours essentially you aren't in the story yet, really. Um, and I think if I when I speak to people who say they don't like The Last of Us. They've never really played it an awful lot beyond that. And Deathloop, I think, is a game that you could easily hate if you didn't play it beyond the first couple of hours as well. Now, I won't labour the point on Deathloop because I talked about it ages ago in that first-person shooter episode, but there's a point where the game seems impossible, and it's until you realise that you need to go and do a... Well, until the game introduces you to a, a mission that you need to complete in order to keep keep the weapons when you die. And up until that point, it, it, it could be easy to walk away from the game. But to get onto the game that I'm going to talk about, it was a game I bought on the PlayStation 4 back in 2016, having seen countless reviews giving it 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10, 90-odd percent. Um, and the only reason I got it was I had a bit of a backlog of games going on, but... I had an, I think I had a gift voucher from work or, or from somewhere that was going to run out, which I needed to use at Argos. So I went over and I bought a game and I thought, right, I've seen loads of good reviews of this game. I have played a previous game in the series and thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to get this. I'll give it a go and see how I get on with it. Um, took it home, put it on, and the art style and the soundtrack immediately grabbed us. The, the opening menu screen was phenomenal. And when I started playing it, I got really engaged with the story. However, the first dungeon in this game lasts about 10 hours. And I didn't make it through the end of the first dungeon. I just stopped playing the game and started playing something else. And I revisited this game in 2020 during one of the many lockdowns and absolutely fell head over heels with this game. Persona 5. So I've talked about Persona 5 on this podcast before and I felt so foolish for not having played it more the first time through. But anybody who's played it, and I know, I suspect Steve hasn't because it's not Jam and Earl, Halo or Shenmue, um, and it's on a Sony, <laughs> it was on a Sony console. It's now it's now on loads of loads of platforms. But when it first came out, I mean, it was, it was exclusive to, um, to the PS4. And I know um, Simon and Alex have both played it, but I'd, if you that first dun- that first palace is very long, and I think it's it, it would be very easy for somebody to lose interest playing through that. And that 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 that's what got us. But I mean, Persona Five. What is, what to say about it? It's it's an incredibly it's a huge game. I know. Um, I know Simon just stopped playing it because he thought he was near the end and he wasn't. It's for me. I love the story and the characters. That was and that was what really grabbed us. I mean, the soundtrack, the art style, the graphics, everything about it's ten out of ten. And there's loads of elements to it as well. I mean, it's I don't even know how you describe it. It's a role play game, but it's got a like a social simulator element to it, where you you're building relationships and maintaining yeah. those bonds with your your um your your team. It's got a 
almost like a Pokemon type element to it where you're yeah. collecting these personas and you can fuse them together to make other ones and and um you've got when you're in the fights when you're wandering around there's a you, you've got like you if you hit somebody with a weakness then it does more damage um and it's an it's it's just a marvelous game it's the the, sto- the game starts off as well with a very intriguing opening like you see the guy who you play as who i think's called ren but he's never never named that at all during the game i don't know where i've got that from i haven't written it down anywhere but i think he's called ren and you see him attempting to help a girl who's um being like shouted at or whatever by a fella and he falls down and you end up in trouble with the police and you get moved to another school in japan it's in modern day tokyo and then you go to school, you make friends at school. There's um there's a talking cat, that's fine. And all sorts of other stuff. And then you end up going into this weird other world because this app appears on your phone. And then when you say the right code words, you end up going to these palaces. And these palaces are manifestations of um corrupt people's uh, like um heart like hearts, you know, and it's a very difficult game, I think, to describe. I think you've got to experience it for yourself, but it's one of the best games I've ever played in my life. And as soon as I finished Persona 5, there's, there's three plot twists towards the end that are absolute genius as well. And I've never I've never cried at a film, I don't think, but I've never cried at a video game, but it's the closest I've ever came to doing it. There's three three bits in particular at the very end of the game. And um, oh, it's I don't, I, the word masterpiece gets used way too much, but it is. And as soon as I finished it, I went and played Persona 5 Strikers because I wanted to spend more time in that world with those people. I don't really have any arguments there. I think it's, I do think it's a phenomenal video game as well. I like- Can you understand why people might not make it beyond the end of the first? Because the first palace is very long. Yeah, it's a very it's a bit of a cold opening, isn't it? Um, it's quite difficult as well. You Because you, you can fail it. You can run out yeah. of time. Um, I had a friend who, well, he's still my friend. I didn't fall out of him because of it. Um, who, uh, who's a big RPG fan, has been for years since the PS1 days. And he gave up in the first dungeon because he ran out of time and he never bothered going back to it. Um, so, yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah, And that can be a real killer as well, like losing a lot of progress in a game or something or having to do a lot of effort again can just yeah. feel a waste of time. Yeah. And I mean, I later, think- on in the game, later on the game as well, where you um, you go to a place called Mementos, which is like a big maze underneath the, the street. And you get, um, like, there's, there's sub, uh, like, side quests you can pick up where there's somebody who isn't bad enough to have a palace of their own, but somebody who needs their heart changed. And you go down into Mementos, and it's very, it can be a little bit repetitive when you, you're down yeah. there. That's where and I fell at off the very right, end yeah. of the game, that's where you end up. And if you've done yeah. none of the side quests, you've got to go down and down and down, and it just takes forever. So it's it's not perfect. I don't think there is any games that are, are perfect. It's not perfect, but it's a, the, the story, the characters, the presentation. Uh, it's it's such I can't I can't praise it enough. It's such a good game. I love it. Well, there we go. That's me. two nominations done. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I think Simon's going to steal mine, but I'm going to. I'm going to jump in and go next because I don't think he will. But um, much like Rob, I 
had an immediate answer for this. Um, there is like a, I do have a backup answer for it, which I will go into later, which was sort of a similar situation to, to this game, but it was more that I found that the hype was nowhere near what I felt like I was experiencing. But in the game I'm actually going to nominate, um, was so excited to try this out. I'd heard so much about it. Everybody was talking about it. Um, it was a really popular type of thing at the time. Everybody was getting on board with this new style of game that had suddenly come along towards the end of the previous generation. And everybody was, it was, it was just the thing that everybody had to try. And having tried this at first, and there will be, I'm going to try and find it. It might be on an old hard drive. It might, it might not. So if I don't find it, I'll cut this out, but there is definitely a podcast that I recorded years and years and years ago with, david my friend that i do a winner as you with where i rant about this game for ages just saying that i absolutely hate it i don't understand what people like about it it's got bad mechanics it's just unfair it's impossible nobody should enjoy this game i don't know what the big deal is and i traded it in and just binned it off um and i probably never would have thought about this ever again but because this type of game and the genre that it's in was the thing that people were talking about in games at the time. I stumbled across a YouTube channel called Game Grumps. I, I mean, stumbled across. They're one of the biggest YouTube channels on the platform. Um, and they played a game, which this is going to kind of spoil what, what the game is anyway, but I've teased enough as it is. They had a playthrough of Dark Souls 3. And I watched them play that and thought, A, that it was hilarious, and B, that the game looked so awesome that I I can't have been right in my previous feelings. So I played through Dark Souls 3, really liked it, figured out that the way that those From Software Souls-style games work and thought to myself, okay, right, now I've played one of these Souls games. I've got good, as the internet would say. I feel like I'm ready to give another try to Bloodborne. And I gave it another try, and it is easily in my top three games of all time now it is unbelievably good there is the surface level enjoyment you can get out of its setting which you know you could say is sort of victorian london style setting but i think they actually modeled it on like european castles from like romania and stuff like that it's obviously got this werewolf style horror vibe to it that then later unravels itself into more of an hp lovecraft like cosmic beings scenario where there's giant aliens on the walls of buildings that you can only see if you've got enough insight or madness and where i think that bloodborne elevates itself over all the other from software games and i include elden ring in that even though i've previously nominated elden ring for this hall of fame um is that it has this well, number one, it's, it's that it's unique, and I think I prefer the the horror style setting that it has over the the high fantasy of the Souls and Elden Ring games. But it has this mechanic in it, which is like a rallying mechanic, where if you take damage and your your health bar will sort of half deplete, and if you do enough damage back to the enemy before it fully depletes, you will then regain some of the health that you've lost. And there's also, rather than having shields to parry, you have a 
a gun in your left hand of some kind. Sometimes it's a blunderbuss. It could be a pistol or whatever. You use that. If you shoot an enemy as they're attacking, it will stagger them and you can do these like visceral attacks for massive damage. So it's those two elements of what Bloodborne has in its terms of its gameplay that I love the most. It's the, it's the, it's the shooting mechanic and it's the rallying mechanic that just makes this, for me, more of a fun game than Dark Souls does. It doesn't mean that that has any less customization you can still build characters with as much creativity as you had in the in the souls games from before but add that to the setting of this game and i just i I just can't get enough of it unfortunately at the moment it's probably badly in need of an upgrade to 60 frames per second or a pc port that will enable that and every time e3 or whatever it is we call it these days comes along people are expecting it to be announced and it just never ever gets announced so it's still stuck on on playstation as a ps4 game in 30 frames per second that doesn't make it a bad game but yeah for me i genuinely hated this game and i and i was like very angry that it was as bad as i thought it was that people thought this game was so good and everyone was talking about it and it was this massive it must have come out quite near the launch of the ps4 i think it was certainly trailers when the ps4 was announced and i was so disappointed to find that if you go in it completely cold and you'd never played any of these games before and they're obviously renowned for being really difficult and they are difficult until you figure out some of the more intricate elements of them or you figure out how the game wants it to be played and then you can customize yourself within that world. It does kind of feel like that because of the unique way in which they animate their characters and the way the game feels, it, it can feel like it's a bad game. It is, you know, labelled as being an old school style video game, you know, like how video games used to be. And I remember definitely saying, like, it's just a bad game. It's badly made. It doesn't control like a proper third person action game like Devil May Cry should. It feels shit to play, but it genuinely is not shit to play. It's actually incredible. And the level of depth to the combat is far higher than that of something like Devil May Cry. So... Dark Souls 3 was the first Souls game that I played, but Bloodborne is still my favourite, and it put me down a path of playing all the Souls games, absolutely loving everything that From Software put out these days. Like, I'm a huge fan of theirs. They're one of my favourite developers going at the moment. But Bloodborne, for me, will always be, until they do a sequel or remake it, will always be my favourite in the series. And I cannot believe how much I hated it, but I'm so glad I rebought it again. So I did, the version I have now is like the Game of the Year edition. And I originally had like a day one version because I did literally trade it in and then have to buy it again when I decided to try it. I don't know if anyone here has actually played Bloodborne. I did think Simon might have done, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Rob, you've not played it, have you? Because I, I don't even know if you've started your Elden Ring thing yet. Um, I've got Bloodborne on the shelf behind us, but okay. I've never I've never played it. I think right. a bit like a bit like Elden Ring, it's quite a daunting proposition. It is, to, yeah. to, to, to go to it. And it's a game that I've always said I will go and play. And I mean, it, it's it came out in 2015, so it's been out for yeah. eight years. It's there's yeah. no reason why I shouldn't have have had a go of it by now. But I've not even played one minute of it. I um, yeah, it is daunting. I don't know if I maybe didn't give it the sort of level of that sounds so wanky, but the level of respect that it deserved when I yeah. first picked it up to. It, understand how difficult it was actually going to be it's just kind of like one of them things where like people were going on about how hard these games were and you're like yeah but i've beaten Mega Man 2 or whatever it'd be fucking fine i can i've yeah. beat I've, you know this isn't going to be that hard and then if you just get 
constantly game over, then yeah, yeah, it just saps the will out of you. And I guess I just had enough and got rid of it. But um, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if it had a difficulty setting, I definitely would have played it by now because the um, the gothic setting yeah. absolutely appeals to us as well. I mean, yeah. I love I love anything like that. I'm currently working on a podcast episode about um, Guy Fawkes, and I love all the that oh, kind awesome. of like uh, that that setting. Perfect. It's just mm. it it looks like a scary prospect because you know you're going to die over and over and over again. Yeah. Initially, when I played it, I, I mean, again, there are there are ways to make it easier for yourself. You can call in people to help you. You can um, so there's always a way to have co op a co op partner. It can be a random or a friend of yours. They uh, and when I first played it, I did utilize that quite a lot. And the second time I've played it, um, maybe the third can't remember now i decided to try and do every single boss in the game by myself like completely solo there's one of them and i think his name is i think it's lawrence some kind of i don't remember his name is now but that nearly killed me like i, I thought i was going to have an aneurysm playing that boss that that may may have made me like it less but i managed to do it but there's a final boss in the dlc like orphan of cause which is probably the hardest boss i've ever faced in a game i still haven't beaten it Although, to be fair, I never managed to beat the final boss of Sekiro either. So maybe I, uh, From Software, actually do have my number when it comes to final bosses. Simon, have you played Bloodborne? I haven't played it, no. Um, I think I think this came out back along. I, I played Demon's Souls yes. when it first came out and didn't go on with it at all. And I haven't, I haven't tried anything by from stuff software since just because there's so much to play and it's like yeah um but the bloodborne like rob said the 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 bloodborne kind of setting is really mm. appealing I've, I've written about bloodborne a couple of times i've researched it quite a lot yeah um and when i saw you know when you get so far into the game the kind of the lovecraftian horrors start coming out um i so cool when it turns towards yeah. that and it and it made me it made me jealous of those who You've loved it since day one, mm. but um, but well, now I don't count not... myself among that, obviously. <laughs> no, but I've not played it. No. I'm assuming Steve hasn't either, right? I haven't played it, but I am at least aware of it, and it does look damn cool. I have to say, um, but yeah, it's just a, a daunting thing for to to start. Um, and as you know full well from what I previously said, if I if I pick something up and it's not immediately grabbing me, I don't tend to put that many hours into it. It just becomes, uh, you know, being time yeah. poor. There's no no more or less than that. So yeah. much stuff out there I know I'd absolutely love, but um, putting the hours in to it, and when there's so many other things as well that you want to on the list. No, but it does it does look great. I can understand why um, why it would appeal, especially to Rob's sensibilities, being the spooky doyle he is. <laughs> spooky doyle. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm so gutted. Street Fighter Two is in here. I thought this was a shoe in for. Sorry, a mate. I try. I really did try to go for something more obscure. I really, <laughs> don't, really did. But yeah, it's your fault for your fucking stupid ass category. I did. Did I make this up? I thought this was a Simon. Thing. I thought it was you. I thought Simon invented this. This was a shout out to to my pal and listener Jack. This was. Oh, uh, Jack's a the bastard. Jack, you oh, bastard! Yeah. Thanks for listening, though, Jack. <laughs> Yeah, you just caused me two weeks worth of headaches, so you definitely owe me a pint if ever I see you. <laughs> okay, that's me, Simon. You're up. So bloody Bloodborne, Persona Five, and Street Fighter Two. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I've got 
three heavy hitters for this um, this category. Uh, one is already in, thanks to Rob, with Red Dead Redemption Two, which I didn't like at first, and then and then was enamoured with. Um, another one I've nominated already, which is Breath of the Wild, which I didn't get on with at first at all. Um, and then I've got a third heavy hitter, which I'm considering going with now because you've all gone for all-time classics, um, which is The Witcher Three, uh, which I do think deserves. God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm not going for it though. I'm not going. Are oh, you not? No. Okay, okay. But I do think it deserves its place in the Hall of Fame. And I did. Yeah, we'll get it in there somehow. I did find it very hard to get into at first, but um, you know, Witcher sits close to my heart. But but the the game I want to go for sits closer. So I'm, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to toss out one of my favourite games ever, and it's going to come last. But you know, that's all we I do. I feel you there, mate. I've done that multiple times already. Yeah, I'm going to do an Alex <laughs> or an, or, an <laughs> yeah. Alex or an Alan. <laughs> Um, I didn't like it at first because it wasn't what I, what I expected based on similar games I played around the era. Um, and I found the setting early on to be a bit too oppressively kind of dark and gritty because quite often that turns me off a bit. Um, so that just to get out of the way why I didn't like it at first. But, but I, I persevered because I had more time back then to persevere with things. Um, so the Infinity Engine is a engine game engine created by Bioware in the late 90s and it was used to make a number of top-down computer RPGs kind of in the vein of uh, the first couple of fallouts but they weren't infinite infinity engine games but um, so it's kind of like imagine fallout but with more accessible controls and combat um, and it resulted in these huge games with these wonderful pre-rendered backdrops um, real time with pause combat, and they're all based on the Dungeons and Dragons um, rule set. Um, and not counting expansions or remakes, there were a total of five Infinity Engine games, um, all released in their late 90s and the early 2000s. And they are Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, Icewind Dale, Icewind Dale 2, and then the other one, which is it's a bit of an outlier, it's a bit of an oddity, and it is. Probably the epitome of a cult classic. Do we do we know anyone know what I'm going on about here? If you Google no. cult classic, it's like it's right there. It's one of the first See, ones. I'm gonna duck kick I'm gonna two. Google it. I'm gonna Google it right now. Cult classic video games. Uh, so is it gonna be a bioware game? No, it's the order main... correct keeps changing cult to something else. <laughs> Don't Google that. I don't think it's going to be Earthbound, Akami, or Eco. They're the first three that come up here. When I Googled it, it was like fifth or sixth, but that might be because... Psychonauts? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think we're going to get it here. Top, top-down top RPG. Oh, top-down RPG. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything in that Google list that's come up with that. It's a little game released in 1999 called Planescape Torment. Oh... Anyone heard of oh it? yeah, that is in there. That is there. Yeah, I just yeah. don't know what that is. <laughs> you don't know what it is? No. Okay, I've never heard of it either. Oh Jesus Christ! I hope our listeners have. This is a test for you, listeners. I have, because Simon talks about it all the time. Other than that, <laughs> I know nothing about it. Oh yeah, at least one of you to me. <laughs> all right. Okay, it's a heavily story and dialogue focused um, Infinity Engine RPG uh, where combat. Combat is like fun and functional, but it's it's not the focus. Um, everything revolves around the, the world, the story, the lore. Um, and Planescape is a setting 
of the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop game that's like it's kind of like the Dungeons and Dragons setting is a tiny world in the Planescape setting, which is all it's kind of every plane of reality. Um it's and it's really heavily philosophy based. Um and for every kind of alignment there's a plane. But I won't I won't go into that, Jesus Christ, we'll be here all night. But the basic premise of the game is that you play as a character called the Nameless One, and he wakes up on a mortuary slab and he's got no idea what's going on. Um and the, I know the amnesiac protagonist is a bit of a cliche nowadays, but the way it's handled here, um, and like the when you find out the reason he's immortal, um, the actions of his many past incarnations, and the way all this stuff is revealed and discovered by the player, it's just it's just phenomenal. Like Rob said, Persona Five is a masterpiece. This is a masterpiece as well. And if any of you guys kind of read up on it and don't trust me, you'll see that I'm not alone. Um, in this, um, it takes you so it takes you across multiple planes of existence. Um, you start off in this city called Sigil. How do you pronounce the word? Is it Sigil or Sigil? Might be Sigil if it's S I G I L. So the city is pronounced, not how the word is pronounced. Okay. So, yeah, so it's Sigil, um, which is at, kind of at the center of the planes. And th- this city, any kind of any any enclosed space, so like a window or like the knot of a tree can be a portal to anywhere if you've got the right key. Um, and you meet all these amazing, amazing characters. So every character you meet or every, every main character you meet is linked to your guy's past incarnations in some way. So there's like this power, like ridiculously powerful and feared night hag, who is the one who granted you your immortality, like many millennia ago. Um, there's only one encounter that you have to fight. So you can go through the entire game doing only one um, actual bit of combat because if you put your charisma and your wisdom score high enough, you can talk your way out of anything. And that's why I think that's why I didn't like it at first because I played Baldur's Gate, I played Baldur's Gate 2, and I was expecting more of that. And I'm like, what's this? There's hardly any fights and I'm, I'm just yapping all the time and it's all like trying to be all clever. But you, you have to get over that wall and it just it will just grab you um the player party obviously borders gate three's doing the rounds at the moment um and it's got quite a i think already quite iconic cast of characters you can recruit but Planescape torment like like beats it um like I, you've probably all seen the green angry looking lady in borders gate three called lazelle you've seen her over the internet um she's a gift and there's a gith in Planescape Torment first. Um, he's called Dakon. He's one of my favorite characters. He's like just an example of the kind of twists and turns the story can take you on. Um, he's gith are like these ancient, I don't think they're immortal, but they're really long lived creatures who live in the plane of limbo. And knowing yourself is really important to them because they need, they need to know their self to kind of shape their world. They can shape limbo to, to make a home there. Um, and he's quite, he's kind of this wise old man and he joins you for some reason. And he's got this book, he's got a book of Zerthamon with him, which is like his Bible that he lives by. Um, and as you progress through the game and you kind of learn the right skills and stuff, you can, you can, un- like, it's not a book, it's like a, a ring, but it's a book, but it's like a puzzle almost. And you can unlock this book. Um, and you learn things about his religion that will 
give you better stats and stuff. But if you go through right to the end, you unlock a memory of one of your past incarnations saving his life like millennia ago, tricking him into giving, into agreeing to serve you for the rest of your life because he thinks you're human, thus enslaving him to you for eternity. And the reason you did that, the reason you were able to do that is because you gave this book to him originally and you made it up. And it's just this, it's, it, uh, like I, I can't explain it in a way that makes it, it's just such an amazing twist that you kind of, you, you made up this guy's creed just to use him in your, <laughs> yeah. in your past incarnation. Like there, there are good incarnations and there's, a, there's three main incarnations you get to know about. And this, this one's called the practical incarnation. He did some horrible, horrible stuff. Um, like the whole reason you're immortal is because you, you sinned so badly that you could never, ever make it right. Um, so you seek out immortality, but it doesn't, it doesn't work out that way. Um, yeah, so he's one of the he's one of the characters who joins you. Um, there's like a floating skull who t- turns out to to be this. Um, you saved him. One of you, the practical incarnation again saved him from this pillar of skulls, which is where people go when they've lied in life, and that lie has led to someone dying. And you just pulled him out of this pillar because you've got immortal powers, just because he had some information, and now he's just stayed with you for years and years and years. Um, there's like a chase succubus. There's a haunted suit of armor. There's a there's this like semi alive burning corpse whose body is a portal to the elemental plane of fire. Like the the party is incredible. It's just so imaginative. Um, and there's like the factions in this city, which is where the philosophy comes in. Like I recently watched a video on it, and apparently it's like proper academic level philosophy. Um, like you've got a faction called the Dustmen who who run the mortuary where you wake up. And this in this setting with like a real improvable afterlife, they're obsessed with achieving the true death. And then you've got the sensates who are obsessed with experiencing every sensation, positive and negative, in the planes. Um, and when they find out there's an immor- immortal in town who you can kill and will just get right back up, they're like queuing up to kill you. Um, and if you agree to do it, you get like gold or or experience or whatever. But then later on, you find out that every time you die and revive someone else in the planes dies in your place. So you feel really guilty about every time you died. Um, it's a fantastic game. It sends you on an emotional roller coaster like no other. Um, the story's incredible. The, the world is incredible. Like, I think it's the best story in gaming, and I know there are a lot out there who agree, but it's it's painfully obscure. Like, it, it, it has got a following. It's got a big following, but it... It didn't sell well at the time, and it's still not. It's not like a fashionable game now, but it's phenomenal, and I know it will lose. <laughs> um, but it's still, you know, the combat is dated. That's the only bad thing you can say about it. Um, it still looks good. Um, the little, the little character portraits still look fantastic. They're like little animated portraits, um, and I truly believe it's one of the greatest works in our in our gaming medium. Um, and it's just it's just a Baldur's Gate style top down RPG, um, with very little combat, but an amazing story. And it's written by Chris Avalone, who has since worked for Obsidian, and worked on other games around for their really good stories, like Neverwinter Nights Two, uh, Knights of the Old Republic Two, 
and like a few others that are quite renowned as well. Um, and I've put it out there to die because of the games it's against. <laughs> but you poor bugger. Yeah, I've gone for it. It's one of my favorite games ever. I'll die on its hill all day. I could have gone for The Witcher and had a chance, but if anyone's if anyone knows what I'm talking about, you you know is what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying to that one. Any questions on this game you've never heard of? Yeah, I'm just having a look at it, some of it now. It's um most of what I've been flicking through just does seem like it's some somebody's just picking loads and loads of dialogue options. So yeah. I've got a question, I'm Simon, though it's not particularly game related, if that's all right. Now I'm I'm confident in in this memory when you told me you'd moved house. Did you recreate your kitchen perfectly into your new no, I'm house? Gonna, I'm gonna move house. Don't start, Steve, because the buyer pulled out, okay? So we're back at square one. Oh, I saw some All I've done is just oh, roll salt into an oh, open wound. Yeah. But it like it's gonna happen and I will be in a, a better room. I thought I thought you I'm were actually I thought you were actually in the process of moving. It, 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 this is how long it took me. It took me to an hour and two minutes into recording till I noticed, hang on a minute. I've seen that place I, before. I, I was just thinking about that when I was obviously watching Simon talk. I did think, why is he? Well, he would have moved uh, by that. Just so distracting the, the listeners from my, from my... Sorry. Yeah, game that none, none, of know, none of us know about the game. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do now. You've just told us quite, you know, I, quite um, succinct. Um, just to suggest, why don't you take a photograph of what's behind you and then set that as your background when we record, just so things seem normal once you have moved. Yeah, I don't do good with change, Simon. Yeah, so Planescape Torment, if you... <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the front cover, it's got an awful front cover, but don't judge a book by its You can cover. get it on Switch, right? Uh, they, yeah, they did an enhanced edition. And they did like, in, like a two game, like I haven't Googled this or anything, but is it is it packaged with another game or an expansion or something? It's with it's with either Neverwinter Nights or Icewind Dale. Um, yeah, it's at Ice One. Yeah. Icewind Dale, it, it's kind of like the opposite. So Bodder's Gate is kind of the balance between combat and exploration and story. Um, Planescape Torment is all story and the rest is kind of almost an afterthought. And Icewind Dale is like mega combat based and there's no real story or party interaction. Um, but it's it's a genius game. And I like I, I do mean that. And if yeah, if any of you look into it, you'll see like the depth of this game is incredible. And like the the craziest thing about it's not um what's the word? It's not very accessible because the craziest thing about it is all of these amazing story twists, you if you make a fighter. If, well, you, you're always the same character, but you can make him into a... He starts off as a fighter, but you can make him a major, a, th- a thief, and you choose his um, stats at the start. So if you think, right, this guy's a fighter, high strength, high constitution, charisma, intelligence, who cares about any of that low? Like, it won't... It'll lock you out of certain dialogue choices, and you will miss, like, um, the half of the story, and it's like... It's kind of like the Baldur's Gate 3 thing, where it's cool that they give you the freedom to do that, but also, you know, people don't have time to miss everything and then play through it again to see it. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's a different time. I guess I did have time back then because, you know, I got it all. Oh, and there's a robot voiced by Dan Castellaneta. Oh, nice. Yeah, called Nordum. Not for the last time either. He plays the robot devil, doesn't he, in Futurama? Oh, does he? Yeah, he does. Well, in the the first series, he does. In the uh, the other series, it's um, 
Billy, is it Billy West? Oh, doing yeah, an impression oh, yeah. of him doing it, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've learned something new tonight. I just want to add something. Um, I hated The Witcher 3 when I first played it, and I'd completely forgotten it. I, I didn't, didn't get on with it at all. There's a wall to climb over in that game of like, of kind of esoteric difficulty, like not difficulty, but just weirdness. Um, yeah. Constant like gritty misery in the setting and the story. And mm. um, and when I first played, because I played it when it very first came out, and pro- a lot of people probably don't remember this, but it had a problem where the writing, all the text on the screen was so small um, that you could barely read it. And I was I could I was trying to read the text, and it was just it was just making me tired. I was straining my eyes so much. They did patch that out, but yeah, mm, they did. The, but all of those reasons combined, and I actually took it in to trade it in. And um, my wife and another guy I, I know like sort of talked me into giving it another try. And I I had to tell myself like because I, I I had to say right, don't bother with all the potions and putting things on your sword and that because you can't be bothered with it. You can't be bothered to craft all the medicines. <laughs> so I was like, don't bother, just play it like a fighter. And I did. And then as I got through the game, I kind of picked up all that sort of stuff in my own time. Yeah. And then I think it I think it was when I got to the big city of Novigrad. Yes. And the surroundings of that area, which is like the fields with the race in them and stuff. It wasn't until I got there that it clicked. But when it clicked, it clicked good. I, I think the game does eventually sort of build itself into this like self-contained narrative that you could, that anybody can understand but I do think it kind of suffers a little bit by starting off as if you've played the other two and you understand what the point of and it, it does bring that back up again at certain times when you meet like um Triss or what's the other woman's name Yennefer Yennefer like the, there's clearly history there that you are not aware of yeah. I mean I, I would quite like to play Witcher 2 one day. But um, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, actually. The very first episode of Game of Thrones on TV, from what I can remember, like expects you to have read the books and to know all the people that it's fucking yabbering on about from the stuff that they're not going to show you because it was a hundred years ago or whatever. The Game, Game that, of Thrones? Yeah, the, yeah, the TV so show. I, I found out with the Witcher TV. Like, I've, I've played all three Witcher games and I've played the third one extensively and I've read mm. most of the books. And I was watching that Witcher series and I was like, who are these people? <laughs> what epoch is this in? What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> if you were to do this um, with uh, with TVs, shows, films or music, I, I would have had hundreds, hundreds of nominations. And that's all that kept popping into my head the whole the whole last couple of weeks. I, but. I guess l- most of those things don't really take a lot of your time to exactly, yeah. give another try to, yeah, right? exactly, 100%. It's funny as well that Simon was saying that he went to go trade in Witcher 3 and he was um, convinced not to do so. I was so hyped for Bioshock when it came out, um, when it was, well, being trailered and all that kind of stuff. Not really sure what I expected it to be. And I, I almost can't even remember what my problem with it was. Because to me, the the introduction to Bioshock when you're in the bath sphere and you're getting Andrew Ryan's spiel and then Rapture is unveiled to you is one of the greatest openings in video game history. I could just sit and watch that on a loop and still love it. 
I so I don't know why I wouldn't have enjoyed that, but I definitely obviously started Bioshock and just did not click with it and just thought it was I don't know. I don't know what I thought was wrong with it. I just didn't think it was amazing and kind of fell off of it. I'm pretty sure it came out around about the time that the Wii did. So I probably just played Twilight Princess and waggled my wrists around for ages and never looked at it again. So I went to trade that in when I moved up to uh, Scotland for university and I had like a steelbook edition of it. And the person in the shop said something like, because it didn't have a BBFC 18 rating and it only had a Peggy 18, they couldn't take it off me because they couldn't resell it. So I was like, oh, okay, fine. Fuck you. I'll go play Bioshock then. And then went back and actually gave it a chance a, a, a while later and was like, oh, this is unbelievable. Why I didn't understand why I didn't like it because I absolutely love Bioshock. I think it's an incredible game. The only reason I didn't nominate that over Bloodborne is because I don't really remember why I didn't like it. And I, I did not hate it the way that I really hated by Bloodborne because it was punishing me that way. So I don't, I don't really understand what was going on there, but Simon was nodding as if he understands what was why they didn't let me trade that in. Maybe from experience. Yeah, it's just because it hasn't got the proper age rating on. And also, and also it's kind of an excuse to not have like loose random steelbooks without barcodes on. Yeah. Yeah. But that's more that's my honorable mention anyway. I didn't really have anything else. I'm kind of like Steve in that regard, where if something just doesn't immediately click with me, there's like a million other video games, so just like what's the what's the point? But uh, I assume Rob must have a few. Not really. No. Um I, I mean as I say, Witcher 3 was one that I didn't like when I first played it and I'd forgotten about it. And I have played through it and I did enjoy it, but the reason I didn't like it at first is because I found the there's a bit at the very beginning where you've got to do a race along some walls or something, isn't it? Like right at the oh, very, yeah, very, very with, beginning. Uh, with Siri. Yeah. And I hated the yeah. controls. Like it just felt like turning, like turning around. Just felt awful. They, they, they patched that as well because I think initially the the way that he moved was heavily criticized. It was oh, a little awful. bit almost like laggy. Yeah. But they awful. did fix that. I played about 10 minutes and I just put it to one side and thought I'm going to play something else. I'll come back to it another day. And then I did about yeah. three years Witcher later. Witcher 2 and 1 were quite, quite janky. Like, Witcher 1 apparently is horribly aged from what I've heard. Yeah. So I just, it's a shame because I'd quite like to try all three of them, but it just sounds like it's impenetrable now. Well, 1 and 2 weren't available on PlayStation, so I had to go into Witcher 3 and choose the option to say... No, I've never oh. played Witcher 1 and 2. Treat us like yeah. an idiot, like fill in the gaps. Yeah, I, I mean, did that. And I, I mean, I sent an email to uh, the Winner Is You podcast with my top games of the last generation. You did? Ages and ages ago. And I put Witcher 3 down, further down the list than other people would have put it. Because when I reached the end, and somebody might email in and say, no, you've got it wrong or you missed something. Because it is a huge game and there's a lot of characters but I found at the end it started introducing characters or people came along who who uh, the Witcher was familiar with, but I wasn't, and I didn't know who these people were. And That's kind of what I was getting at earlier, yeah. yeah. By the time I reached the end, I'll be honest, like if we were doing a 180, 180 of games that we loved, I mean, I've done a 360 on Witcher because I didn't like it the first time I played it. Then when I started playing through it the second time, I loved it, and I even recommended it to somebody else, and they started playing it on on Xbox. And by the time I reached the end, I just wanted it to be over. I just had that with Final Fantasy sixteen. So yeah, but other than that, I haven't really, haven't really, haven't really got any honourable mentions. I mean, there will be games up because you're right. There's so many games yeah. nowadays. You know, like um, Skyward Sword. 
on the Switch, I started, couldn't really get along with the controls, which I've seen criticised in some of the reviews anyway, so I put it on the shelf. Yes. I will go back to it, and when I go back to it, I might love it. Mm. But as it stands... I'm, Were I'm, you using the stick, the sticks rather than waggling? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. those controls were all awkward because it's yeah. like right analog stick, isn't it, for your sword? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I might go back to that and absolutely love it, and then further down the line I might say, oh, I've got another one for years. But, um, as it's it, got I, some I, excellent I, dungeons in it, that game, but yeah. yeah. I haven't got any other honourable mentions. Right, well, there we go then, everybody listening. That is our four nominated games for what we did 180s on and to remind you they are bloodborne persona 5 planescape torment and street fighter 2 so you need to go over to either x or instagram uh on uh x we are at vg underscore hof on instagram we are tvg hof there will be a poll up on both of those at this point i hope by the time you're listening to this and you can go vote for which one you want to win and the winner of course will go into the hall of fame what you can also do, as well as voting on the poll, is you can send us an email at videogamehof at gmail.com. We seem to be getting inundated with poetry. Um, and I genuinely can't remember why this started. I know Simon said there's a poetry competition. There is, well, to reiterate, there is no prize for this. So the first email we have comes from Carol Robertson, which is <laughs> which is really close to the name of somebody that I work with who's really high up at my work, and I thought for a second she'd listen to this podcast, but that is not her name. So Carol said, now this, just before we get too into this, Carol has asked a question, bless your heart, that we have already tackled, and it got so heated that I cut most of it out. So we're not really going to go into this too much. But she says, hey guys, I like your podcast and wondered if I may ask a question. There we go, may ask. Thank you, Carol. You're one of the good ones. I see a lot of fighting on Twitter between Xbox owners and PS5 owners. What do you make of it all? I even see Xbox owners accusing games journalists of bias because Starfield didn't get great reviews. I do another podcast with a man who's been doing a lot of that. (laughs) um, I even had to tweet him a little gif of somebody saying, let it go, but I don't think he's going to let it go. To be fair to to Carol, wasn't this on the previous podcast? No. We talked about it off air. Ah. No, it was on air. I just cut all of it out. Yeah. Alex just said I could cut all that after we spent so many calories just fighting about yeah. nothing. I'll, I'll give you my opinion. My opinion is fucking what does it matter? They're both just mini PCs in a box. It's all the fucking same. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, play play the PlayStation 5 for your exclusive games that are better. Play the Xbox because it's got Game Pass, which is the best way to stream your games. I mean, don't be honest. Done. My 100% is... Getting both like me. I always go for the Xbox, but that's just my personal preference. We're talking we're talking about fine margins between the two between the things. It's what, what, never worth arguing on Twitter about ever. What I used to love yeah, about old school gaming not. was once upon a time when they, consoles were complete, when they were, you know, nothing like they are today. Nowhere near as powerful. It's about their unique identity, how they 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 felt different, yeah. they sounded different, they played different, <clears throat> they looked different. You know that that was the it was the uniqueness between them, and, and I like watching things be pushed to the limits. These days, they're just powerhouse, and most of the time, if you're talking about two two games on a different system, particularly, what you're arguing about a few frames per second here and there, it's just like, oh come on, it's a different world. Just just I sometimes do watch those digital foundry videos to see which one they say is better out of the PS5. I do as well. Xbox it's a nice series. little bit of sport. And I'm like, why am I watching this? There is there is nothing <laughs> between this and I can't discern anything they're talking about, so why don't I just 
fucking throw a dart at the wall and buy it for whichever console is the best cheapest. one of those they did it for uh the pepper pig game and they did they? They, <laughs> i don't i'm not it, i'm not sure if it was digital foundry it was one of the main ones that do that and they they treated it completely seriously and i was like this is, this is a fantastic video like nice. they, they didn't they didn't wink at you they just and it was obviously taking the piss but they you know it was good that was good nice my friend pepper pig i think it was called that's my nomination. Didn't like it at first. <laughs> <laughs> Digital Foundry t- changed your mind. No, Once you got it. the correct version of it. Still don't like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Carol, hang on. We have, let's get to the end of Carol's email first. So Carol says, I own both consoles and I've played some Starfield and it's okay, but it's certainly not the greatest game ever, which some people were convinced it was before it was even released. That's a fair point. Um, I also would like to enter a poem into your contest. I wrote it for my cat, Mrs. Whiskers. Here. <laughs> Here is Carol's poem. You are a cat. You're not a rat or a bat or a gnat. You are a cat. You are my cat. You're not a hat or a or a Seat, the car, or a Sprat. You are my cat. Accident. You are now flat. You was cat. Carol. Brilliant. Much better. I'm a dead cat. That is wonderful, Carol. Thank Twist, you. thank you. Yeah, well, in, in the end, was much it, better than X Club Seven lyrics. That's for sure. Was it a Seat which did it in the end, Carol? Because if so, then earlier on you did lie in the poem. It is now technically part of a Seat, isn't it? True. Yeah. I, Don't uh, lie to us through poem, Carol. I had a cat once. Dropped a sofa on it. It was a write-off, so uh, stood on its head. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Christ, like a dog. Yeah, it's a quote, it's a quote from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I thought Steve would get I, that. I, I was thinking, um, uh, I was thinking Alan Partridge and finishing, uh, uh, finishing the badger off with a jack or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with a car jack. Yeah. yeah. Um, can I just have one last say on this? PS5 yeah, go on. Weigh in. Weigh in, think, um, weigh in. I was just going to say, I think things are worse now than they were when we did discuss it last because of Elon and the fact that you yeah. can eight dollars a month to have a blue tick and you get paid money for engagements so there's a lot of accounts on twitter now or x or whatever or cross or 10 or whatever it's called that, <laughs> um, you um that just stir up the yeah, rivalry right. between like that's, the, that's a, what he does for a living so yeah i mean there's a couple of accounts and i don't know why but they keep popping up on my feed i don't follow either of them they're xbox accounts and they just tweet stuff out that's factually incorrect to rile up the PlayStation owners and then the PlayStation owners and the Xbox owners get into a big row when they, they cash in on it. I mean, it's it's madness. Like It's like the Dolce Gusto and Tassimo owners going to war over which is the best coffee pod machine. Yeah. It, 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 it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is. You're Tassimo, absolutely right as well. Yeah. I'm a yeah. Dolce Gusto man myself. There's, um, I don't have to cut any more out, lads. Um, <laughs> there's... There's, there's. If there was arguments on Twitter through genuine passion, that's one thing. But as Rob says, if it's just people trying to earn money out of professional trolling, then yeah, it is unbelievably pathetic. And we will give no time to it on this episode or any episode. But thank you very much for your email, Carol. We have one more email for the day. It has got another poem in it. The title of the email should give away who it's from. The title, therefore, is <laughs> I Shag Hard and Long and All Night and Hard. <laughs> he's now he's now addressing the emails directly to me, which is fantastic. Mr. Ryan Daniels says, Hi, Alan. I like you reading my poem. 
I was at the fair and sees a girl whose face is too big for her head, but it suited her. I asked her out and she says, yeah, dog, I'll keep you updated. You feel me? Please do. Good luck to you. Use protection. Unless, of course, she doesn't want you to. I ask questions, okay? Number one, best zombie. <laughs> um, not Michael Jackson. Although that is a good, I suppose that is quite a good one. Bill Murray? Yeah, he was pretty fucking That's good, pretty actually, good. wasn't he? I've heard good things about Stubbs the Zombie, so I bought it on PS4, but I haven't played it yet. I quite like the one Is from it? Brain Dead who gets uh, gets the flesh off his legs pulled off, but still has his boots on. I always really liked the one at the beginning of the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead remake, um, where like the guy's like running away from his house right at the beginning of the film when he realizes there's a zombie apocalypse on, and then a zombie just comes fucking caning it out of the front door and does like a proper like loop run and then chases his car down the street for a bit. Me and my friends always used to find that zombie really funny. Is it the cranberries? That's pretty good. Best zombie. The, uh, Ed's, Ed's a pretty shout. good zombie in Shaun of the Dead because he sits oh, in um, Shaun's shed, doesn't yeah. he? Plays PlayStation still. Yeah, that's probably the answer. There's that zombie in Shantae with the boobies. Yeah, big Shantae. All right, <laughs> keep your smut out of it. I, I tried some Shantae before. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Like the game yes. is good, but yeah, it is. It is very thirsty. It's Ed, isn't it, from Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. Or Bill Murray. Or Bill yeah. Right, what else does he say? I love to shag. What do you love to do? <laughs> uh, never, never change, never change. I feel it important to point out as well that we had number one best zombie. This next one has no number. It just says, I love to shag. What do you love to do? I love to watch you shag, shagger. And that is why I, I, I now you can chuck off your bingo card. I brought up dogging for this um, episode. So, yeah, yeah. What do I love to do? Watch people on the internet shagging, I guess. I don't actually love that. It actually fills me with shame and regret. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> anyway. Um... Does no one here enjoy anything? Is that what we... <laughs> well, we, we I mean, we can't say games because that's shit. We, yeah. we know that. Because he's put, he's put like pressure on it. It's, he's almost love t- challenging us, isn't he? I love to eat a bowl of cereal at night. I love to listen to the rain. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. Lorraine who? Someone <laughs> uh, who's shagging shagger. Yeah, she makes... He stood some, next to Steve. She makes some incredible noises. <laughs> Rob, you got anything? Do you not love anything? Um, I love to watch Newcastle beat Sheffield United 8-0. Well, I bet you bloody do. And I... I actually, I, I, I love to think about Big Ange. I'm thinking about him now, actually. It's quite nice. Does seem like a right cuddly guy, doesn't he? Does yeah. he's cuddled my heart? That's for a lot sure. Of time for that guy. It's a shame because I always like ball. it when you've got an arsehole for a manager. Yeah, but he just seems like a really nice man. He does, doesn't he? Did you see yeah. that picture of him? I'll tell you. I'll tell you something. I love. It's brought it up. Ange Postecoglou doing a um, uh, Q and A session um, a few weeks back, and the interviewer wrapped it up and said, "We haven't got time for." It. And he goes, "No, no, no, no. There's one there's man over there who's got an amazing question, and it was a, a boy who's clearly got um, severe needs." And he stood up and he asked a question and it was just the most heartwarming moment. You know, I, that's the kind of shit I love. That gets me every time. They took pictures. He took pictures with them afterwards as well. Yeah. yeah which was did. really nice. 
Not yeah. often that sort of thing's associated with football these days as well. No, that's what was so yeah. nice about it, yeah. Football's just become this like robotic, lifeless thing. Yeah. That'll do. What else has he got? Well, we know what he's got. He's got a, he's got a poem, which at a glance may actually be the best poem he's written. So, Oh, no, sorry. Now we have question number two. <laughs> We're just at question number two? Oh, no, 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 that was an unnumbered question. question. No number. Now sorry. this one is numbered as two. Uh, uh, any of you guys want to come to Bradford and I show you where it's at? I have a tent. <laughs> Does anybody want to go stay in Shagger's tent in Bradford? I've been to Bradford once uh, in a 1950s ball gown. I, I'll just leave it there. 100% believe yeah. that. I bought the Alan Parridge DVD box set in Bradford. You left it. You, no, so you left it, it there. I bought it you bought many, it many years ago. If we all go and we all wear GoPros so that if something does happen, it might yeah. be found. It might be. It might we could do so, Our, our relatives thing. could, could like <laughs> do a found footage thing with yeah. us, well, couldn't they? Like, Blair Witch in Bradford. Yeah. <laughs> Simon stood there in front of a camera with snot running down his face. The, the Blair Shagger. Blair Shagger project. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like when we went to uh, Blackpool, wasn't it? And somebody asked us if they could borrow our phone as they stood out half out of a car. And we all just sort of got really scared <laughs> and said, no, we haven't got any phones <laughs> and went in the house. <laughs> Probably not, mate. What, what's a phone? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all of our phones have simultaneously lost charge. They're useless to you. Right, Shagger says a poem for the competition. <laughs> this one I would say is more like free flowing than the other ones, but I think it still put, I think it still has a very positive message. Does it not require a warning like the last one? No. Oh, good. No, this one's pretty good. Yeah, nice. So here we go. A poem for the competition. Fred West, Rose West, Civil Unrest, Bulletproof Vest, MC Hammer, Mayor Jammer, The Shermanator. Mr. Motivator, Kings, Queens, Hines, Beans, Britney Spears, and Orphan's Tears. Our, bra- our planet is broken. It's terrible. The potato is the most versatile vegetable. Shagger. A round of applause again, as always. Utterly superb. What? That was utterly, I, utterly When you brilliant. started reading it, I actually started jotting these down, thinking I had to make a choice between them. I just... <laughs> so, hang on, slow down. Fred West, Rosebud. <laughs> And thanks I'll, again, I'll Shagger, for keeping it clean. Yeah. yeah. The Shermanator. That's a deep cut. Who is that? He's from American Pie, isn't he? I don't know who the Shermanator is. No. Mr. Motivator. Don't tell, seen, don't tell us you've never seen American Pie. Like once oh. when it came out. <laughs> I don't think it's a film that should be revisited, personally. Or it being no, a, li- a little not. product of its time and uh, probably should have known better at the time. Plus, it's just shit, isn't it, really? Yeah, but I mean, I loved it back then. I was, it was made specifically for my age group. Yeah, I was my... a, couple, a couple of years old. I was looking at the time going, yeah, yeah this, this doesn't seem like it's something that should be okay. It was like boobs and Blink-182 and skateboarding and stuff. Yeah, it was... but it's just the whole, the whole kind of uh, concept of it's just guys just looking to lose their virginity at all costs and by any means. And it's like, yeah, you would not be able to But then <laughs> 10 years later, the in-between is it was made yeah so. but that's sort of it's dealt cyclical. with in a different way i mean if you look at so much stuff that was around 20 30 years ago you just think fucking hell what were they thinking breakfast club for example you know we mm. won't go into it but you know anyone can uh, can look up things that haven't aged well and i'm sure those things will be on the list somewhere emilio estevez is in the breakfast club and, yeah he is and yeah. he's in young guns one and two 
<laughs> Thank you very much for that. He oh. plays Billy the Kid. And there's a photograph. How can we there's a photograph of him in the West Wing, in the uh, in the office, because that's supposed to be his dad, Martin Sheen, who played President Bartlett when he was younger. So he looked the most like him. Is Charlie Sheen his actual brother? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Look, Charlie Sheen's the only one who didn't keep the. Oh no! Wait, no. Emilio Estevez is the only one who didn't keep, didn't change his actual. That's surname. right. Because Martin Sheen, Martin was Mar- uh, was Estevez, and he um uh, he just thought he wouldn't get any work, which he wouldn't at that point. Yeah. Um, but by the time that's the most un-Mexican Mexicans I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm not even sure if they are actually Mexican, but obviously it's a Latin origin, isn't it, or Latino origin? Mm. Sorry. Um, but yeah, what I think the best moment ever of the two of them is in Hot Shots Part Two, of course, when uh, mm. uh, when uh, Charlie Sheen is in the river going up, and his dad's coming the other way on the original um, uh, ship from Apocalypse Now, the little vessel. They shout, I loved you in Wall Street, as they passed each other. Class moment. Yeah. Almost as class as Kings, Queens, Heinz, Beans. Agrees with every word of Shagas Pum. He's just such an agreeable man. All he, all he does is he loves to shag. He has a tent and he writes beautiful poetry. This time, as I said, he kept it nice and clean so the kids can listen to. Although, is Fred West clean? What did uh, he do? He, uh, he <laughs> serial murdered. killer, mate. Serial I thought he was, yeah. Serial killer. Rose West was probably worse than her husband, to be honest. Yeah. I wouldn't want to have either of them on a bingo team, to be fair. It's fairly fairly brutal what the, the pair of them did. Like, But yeah, they're both. I mean, Fred West's dead, so. I think Rose she's dead West. now yeah. as well, isn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think she is. But yeah, that's still family friendly. Yeah. Yeah, kids can't Google he stuff. Could, I mean, he could have put John West, the tuna man, and just found somebody else who's associated with a fish product. Who said John West, Teribo West? Yeah, there you that go. would have worked. Yeah, right. This has messed all of our heads up. I think probably time to wrap it up and go for a sleep. Especially you, Rob. Has anybody got any closing thoughts for the episode? Uh, I'd like to know how big Shagger's tent is before I commit. I yeah. think we should go. You know, we could record a podcast from his tent. And then he can read the poetry to us instead of emailing it. Yeah. We'll get a live reading. I reckon he probably plays, plays the guitar as well. Acoustic. I wonder, I wonder what he sounds like. Can you send us a voice note, Shagger? We'll play it. <laughs> I'm kind of scared to ask that, but... Candy cane. Just imagine what he sounds like. Imagine if he comes on and he's like, Fred West, Rose West, or something. <laughs> you just never know, do you? It'd bring a whole different tinge on the whole experience, wouldn't Very- it? Yeah, he could be like, Kings, Queens, Heinz, but you just don't know. I reckon he's got a very soft voice, like a like a velvet owl. Is, 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 we reckon he's going to have a Bradford accent as well. What was it? I suppose it was he kind of a, almost a Yorkshire accent. Yeah. Mr. Multivate, yeah. yeah. Is that Bradford? That'll do. It's close enough, isn't it? <laughs> What's next <laughs> right. week, oh, Master of Ceremonies? Oh, yeah. What is next week? Or next episode? Next episode, which will be in two weeks. Jesus Christ. Games from dead or dying genres. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Who's been, who <laughs> well done, that Simon. One? Was that your mate as well, Simon? No, that was me. I, you Jesus know, I need to... Christ, what a crap, crap one. No. We're all going to put shmups in there. Don't worry about it. We're going to have a no. right old laugh. No, I, I suggested it, and Alex was like, that's really cool. And I did say that. Have, I did enable him, you boys. You could have said no. But I just want—I just want you to be the best you can be. I want you to think. 
Would you like to give us some some uh, examples of dead or dying genres? Uh, light gun games. Fucking a. Uh, oh, some people hero? say some people say the RTS is dying. Some people say the MMORPG is dying. Uh, adventure games. Oh, like point and click, yeah. Action yeah. games. <laughs> <laughs> then we can pick whatever we want. Uh, uh, rhythm games. Beat 'em ups dying. They're not really. They're coming back, aren't they? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's tough. So this comes yeah. with the caveat of like in this world of indie games, and anyone can make a game in their bedroom. No genre will ever die. But yeah. I think it's acceptable to pick genres that kind of have died or nearly died, and then have been kept alive by by uh, a few uh, dedicated developers. So I think beat 'em ups. You could say. Um, Someone yeah. could say Guitar Hero again as well. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I take it back. It's a great one because I get to talk about <laughs> Guitar Hero for 20 minutes again. <laughs> I mean, that is dead, isn't it? That is fully dead. I think I'm going light gun. I think I'm going light gun. No, you said that. So on that note, that's what we're doing. Get ready for that in the next episode. And don't forget, as I said earlier on, to go to at VG underscore HOF or the other places I said to go. It'll be in the podcast description if you need any reading <laughs> to vote for <laughs> go vote on the fucking poll vote for bloodborne i've lost so many just do it and until then thank you very much for listening thanks as always to everybody who wrote in or tweeted us with stuff i've read out on this episode thanks to the lads for being brilliant as always and my friends until next time goodbye <laughs>